Hey everybody and welcome to Sit, Stay, Download. This week, Janelle and I will be talking about Recall together with you. Yes, so welcome to our recall episode. This is something that Caitlin requested we cover because, well, first of all, it's kind of a big deal. And second of all, you are working on it with your puppy Valkyrie right now, right? Yeah, all the time. So so tell us how it's going. Uh, I will say this. She very clearly understands what her like sh- that her name means she should look at me. And she understands come when there's nothing else going on. But her brain has a lot of trouble if there's anything else going on, even if it's just a good smell. So we're working hard on those distractions, but uh, we're not always winning with the distractions. (laughs) She, yeah, she's doing pretty well. She's only five months old, but she's definitely not glued to my hip or anything. I often find that puppies, the younger they are, the easier it is to call them to you because you can just be exciting and they're like, oh my God, you're really exciting. But then as they grow, even over just the, the next couple of weeks or months, they start to lose interest in you. A hundred percent. Yep. They have discovered the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, uh, I was saying that to somebody, I can't remember who, but I was like, as they approach the f- like late four month, five month, five month mark, they... They are a little bit more teenagery. They're a little bit more like, no, I want to explore the world that I want to explore. You can't tell me what to do. And you're definitely way less exciting. So her recall was better when she was three months old than it is now. But I'm confident that she still knows the words. I just need to keep practicing being more exciting than the stuff around her. But before we get going into explaining exactly how we can make this magical thing happen because it does feel like magic even though it's not it's very attainable for everybody even if you have like a six-year-old shelter dog that you just adopted and you change their name you can still teach them to come when they're called um but there can be some pretty hilarious shenanigans that happen in the meantime when you're trying to teach a dog how to come when it's called (laughs) or when you're trying to take a risk because you're like okay if i can just take a risk then maybe they'll prove to me that they've got it and then they don't, and then you have to find your dog. <laughs> yes. Wrong choices have been made. Yes. But you can't ever, like, sometimes you need to take a little bit of a risk. Now, I don't mean, like, letting them off next to a highway, but just a little bit of a risk. Because uh, otherwise you can't figure out whether or not they've got it. If you're always using... exactly Yeah, safe circumstances or... And, safe, and dogs aren't robots, right? So... <laughs> You know, as even if they have recall that's 99% reliable, there's always going to be situations where yes. they're just dogs. Okay, I have a recall. I have an old recall story I think we should share that you and I were both a part of. Okay. Okay. So, way back in the day, I, I, 10 years ago, maybe, Janelle and I were at a dog park and we had a doggo I was looking after with us. And he was a foster doggo. I had my dog too. Janelle had her dog. And we were with a group of people. 
And my foster dog was doing really well. He was hanging out with the group. He had come back and checked in a few times. Everything was going great. And then we look over and like, he's nowhere to be found. He is, he is somewhere off in the giant fenceless park of a dog park. Like it was wildernessy. And fortunately he's very good with other dogs. So we weren't worried about that, but like, <laughs> I was worried about the fact that I couldn't see him anywhere. And so we looked and looked and yelled and yelled and called and yelled and looked. And all of a sudden he appears, he runs out of the bushes and he is just panicked and he runs up to us full force and I don't have any treats. And I go, Janelle, did you give him a hot dog? And Janelle goes, a hot dog? I gave him a whole wiener. And it was my favorite <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> he deserved the whole wiener the whole for finally wiener. coming. <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> Not just a little piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was funny. Man, he, I remember that. He was gone in just a split second. Yeah, we were. he was doing so well. And it was, it was one of those moments. I took a risk. It didn't end in my favor. Well, it did, but it took but a while. But it did. It did. It all turned out in the end. Yes. But yeah, that was really, <laughs> that was really funny. I would have given him the whole pack of wieners if I could have, because oh, that's yes. what you do, right? When jackpot. a dog does something that's really, really hard, you have to do that jackpot. Yeah. And I know we're not doing Critter Commotion this episode, but just, just for fun's sake, just so I can brag a little bit. Today, Valkyrie yeah. picked up an entire dead squirrel. We haven't worked on Leave It very much yet, so I forgive her that. But uh, <laughs> she picked up a whole dead squirrel. And I said, drop it. And she did. And then I gave her six million treats. Wow. She dropped the dead squirrel. Yeah. And I didn't even have to touch it. Oh, that's progress. Yeah. It was, it was huge. She loves dead things. She loves dead things and garbage. She's not a classy pup. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Whatever, you know. We all have our things, but that's so good. And you just had to say drop it, and she dropped it. Yeah. Were you offering her a treat? Did you have a treat in front of her? No. Wow, that's even more impressive. Yeah, I don't know how it happened, to be honest with you. We have not worked on that a lot. We definitely haven't worked on it with dead squirrels. I feel like I just lucked out. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, maybe she could sense the panic in my voice. So do you have any wild recall stories? You've trained a lot of dogs. You have your own. You've had lots of experience. Anything where you're like, oh, this is this one takes the cake. Yes, I have one that is. I have I have one very epic one that I'm going to tell. Okay, so just like you, my funny recall story happened at the dog park. Surprise, surprise, right? (laughs) (sighs) And my story takes place many, many years ago, um, just like yours, about 10 years ago when you and I lived in the same city. And I can't remember if you were here during this particular incident, uh, but you'll you'll let me know uh, if you were here as I kind of explain it. So it was a regular day. We were out at the dog park with our big group of friends. We We could make up a pretty good group when we went to the dog park like there could be nine or ten people and most of us had multiple dogs dogs. so it would always we'd always be this huge huge group i will also say we were maybe a little bit naive and maybe that's a really big dog dog park group and we should have thought about that it was yeah yeah it did feel chaotic at some 
at some points. Yeah. Just so that people know, like, this dog park was huge. It wasn't just a little fenced-in area. It was this big expanse uh, of a field. It had large paths you could follow and do a loop that followed the river. Or you could go through trails in the more forested area where we lost uh, Caitlin's foster dog. Or just run around the field. So even though there were a lot of us, it was this, it's, a, it's a really big dog park. At certain times of the year, when the river was really low, there would actually be these huge drop-offs, like cliffs, from the field to the river below. So, some were probably even like a story high at some point. Do you know what I'm talking about, Caitlin? Do you remember this? I do. That same foster dog (laughs) fell down one of those, and I had to walk him to a ramp to get him back up the bank. (laughs) So on this particular day, I had my dog, Rockabye, who is very unique and has a very intense, anxious, somewhat fearful personality, I would say. But she has what I call her people. And Caitlin, you're one of them, mm-hmm. obviously. Love Just Rocka. a select group of, of my friends who she loves more than anything. And if you're in this group, you're very special. And then, like anyone else, she's kind of skeptical about. And so one of Raka's people is our friend Catherine, who is literally one of the best human beings I know. And she's so good with dogs. So someone came with this group of, I think they were duck-tolling retrievers, but I'm not entirely sure. But since one of Catherine's dogs is a duck-toller, um... I think that we were all so smitten by this group of dogs. Every time we'd see them, we'd be like, oh, look how cute. And we'd wave at them and stuff. And then at one point, one of us heard a distress call. And I was a little farther ahead, so I don't know exactly what happened. But one of these retrievers had fallen into the river. Oh, wow. And Yeah. And so... The river was moving, but there was this little cove area where the drop was ever so slightly sloped and there was this little overhang about halfway up and this is where the dog fell in i'm just trying to remember this this like again this was like 10 years ago so i'm trying to remember it as best as i can so one of the dogs fall falls in and then i guess there's some sort of pack mentality because a few of the other retrievers also went along with their pal and so there were like three or four dogs in the river that couldn't get back up this is a nightmare and the owners had no idea what to do they were just freaking out and of course Catherine was not gonna let anything happen to these dogs she is a hero so what we ended up doing was we ended up taking a bunch of our leashes and tying three or four of them together so that we could hoist Catherine down into the super muddy river where she would grab a dog and push it up and we would do everything we could to stretch down and try and pull it up and rescue the dogs that way. So Catherine's in the river. We're, we're pulling up the dogs. We're giving the dogs to the owners. They're leashing them up. And when, right, so when all the dogs were safe, we were figuring out how to get Catherine up because she's very far down. It's hard to... It's hard for me to describe. She made it up about like halfway to this little overhang where I guess she took a break. And that is when Raka finally realized where she was and what was happening. And Raka was not on leash. 
Raka did not have good recall. Raka jumped off the cliff onto Catherine, and they both fell several feet into the water in Raka's desperate attempt to save Catherine's life. <laughs> Raka is not the best at reading a room. <laughs> I love this. I mean, this is all obviously all on me, right? Like, I have no excuse for Rock and not being leashed at that point. I don't remember why she wasn't leashed at that point. I think I was just distracted and trying to help out um, with everything else. But, I mean, I should have stopped and leashed her and given her to someone else. I don't know. Some of it was just a blur. But, anyway, so after Rocka, in Rocka's mind, saved Catherine's life... Uh, we had to then, Catherine then had to rescue Raka, who was way bigger than the retriever, so it was way more difficult <laughs> for Catherine to get her up. <laughs> and then we finally pulled Catherine out, and she was the hero of the day. Go, oh, man. But I, I also like to think Raka was also sort of the hero, because in her mind, like, that could have been a 10-foot drop, and she didn't care at all. She just saw Catherine, one of her people, and she would have done anything for her. She did not think twice. She just jumped. <laughs> and that's kind of heroic, right? It's very heroic and very sweet. Man, that story beats every story that I have. That is incredible. I have a five-month-old puppy. I feel like this is the primary, like the primary demographic of people who are like, how in the world do I get this dog to come to me when I call it? Because it's just yes. learned its name. It's just discovered the world that's more exciting than you. And it's a bit of a teenager, so it's got that rebellious streak that's going to be going on for about the next six months. Um, and it will change depending on what stage of development they're at. And, and yeah. So why doesn't my dog come when it's called? There are a thousand reasons why. I mean... Some of them are delicious smells. Some of them... Oh, this one I love. I was talking to you just about about it just before the podcast. Uh, people get mad because their dog's not coming. And so they get their... They make their voice lower and angrier. And so they'll be like, you know, Valkyrie, come here. And then... Like, and I do this too sometimes when I'm getting frustrated and I'm like, well, now I mean business. So I'm going to use my I mean business voice. And uh, she's like, well, no, because you're mad. So... Mm -hmm. I'm just going to stay over here and avoid a confrontation with you. And so, <laughs> so that's, mm -hmm. yeah. that's another reason. Um, why else? Why else don't dogs come when they're called? Because there's other dogs? Because there's squirrels? Because there's a wrapper <laughs> on the ground? <laughs> because there's wind in the trees and they want to know what's up? I think so. Yeah. And... I mean, I think when it comes to dogs, puppies, and even older dogs, dogs are learning all the time, whether we're deliberately teaching them or not, right? So my question, I think, to you or our listeners is, how many times in your dog's life have you said your dog's name and asked them to come, and they've just straight up ignored you? And how many times have you repeated over and over when they've ignored you? So I think that this is a big reason why your dog doesn't come when called because because everybody does this without realizing it. Yep. So even if sometimes or even if 
the majority of the time your dog will respond to the come command every time in their life so far that you've asked them to come and they haven't has been an opportunity for them to learn that they don't have to listen to you it's almost a poisoning of the command a watering down of the command they have learned to just ignore come and nothing will come nothing will happen yeah and you fall into a routine and like you go through all these motions with your dog all the time and they know those motions so something like come isn't as necessary and it's not until you have to test it that you realize that it's it's become something they don't listen to anymore of course and they are like you said reinforced by whatever stimulation they're getting from digging or the garbage they found or barking or running that's positive reinforcement to them not you know that's way better than them coming to you when when called and that is what we're going to help you change yeah so I think just a hot tip right off the bat to start fixing this immediately if this is a problem for you is starting right now don't call your dog unless you're pretty sure they're gonna listen just go get them so until you start working on training recall don't keep watering down the command don't keep making things worse and if you need your dog just go get them And then, you know, you're going to start training and they're going to start learning and then you can start using the command again. It's a really hard impulse to fight. So you definitely are going to have to consider that and work at it. Um, (laughs) I mean, what what do you think about that, Caitlin? Because, I mean, you you have Valkyrie. There are times where you need to call her and there are times where you know that she's not going to come. Mm hmm. Right? So you would have to make a conscious decision to just be like, oh, I have to get up and I'm going to go get her, which kind of sucks, but it's better than asking her and failing at that. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes it's just, uh, especially if you've had other dogs and they do come when they're called, sometimes it's a force of habit that you have to eliminate from your, um, from your habits. So you have to, instead of okay, I'm just going to call her. Oh, wait, she doesn't always do that. Oh, wait, now I've just said it three times and she hasn't even looked up from her tree. I should probably just go get her. And it's <laughs> yeah. it's not getting to the third one and saying, oh, wait. And uh, it seems very, like, common sensey to to not use it when you shouldn't. Uh, but it can be really challenging, especially because it's one of those commands, just, like, sit down and stay, that people just say all the time because they just get used to dogs knowing them. And so... They don't even register that they're saying it sometimes. So, working toward getting your dog coming when they're called as often as you possibly can is actually, I'm making it sound like this insurmountable feat. It's not. There's, There's some steps that you can take. It's a matter of being patient and consistent. And if you can be patient and consistent and you practice, then you can end up with a dog that has some really, not end up, but you will have worked together with your dog to establish a relationship that allows for you to have a recall that makes everybody safe in just about every situation. Yeah, and I think one of the key things is practice. Don't just wait until you need to use it. Practice it first. Mm -hmm. And practice it when you have a little puppy, just like you are. Exactly. So, uh... 
the baby steps piece is especially important for this one. I know that in past episodes, we've kind of talked about, like, if you don't see success in a stage of your training, then you need to back up, back up a half step or a full step or two steps, depending on the situation, uh, and try again, go a little bit slower the next time around. Because if you start trying to train a recall when the dog is so far away and off leash that there's no way that you could possibly ask them to come to you if they don't already know those words, then you've already set yourself up for failure and frustration. So start within the zone of proximal development. So if they don't know the come command at all or recall at all, then just starting by having them walking towards you from a couple feet away um, is, is a really strong way to start this off. So Janelle, when you're teaching recall, what's your first, what's your first move? If we're going to go kind of step by step, um, the very, very, very first thing that you'll do, and it might sound easy, but it's important, is just calling your dog from a short distance, show them that you have a toy, show them that you have a treat, be really exciting, and when they come to you, make a big show of it. This is this is you teaching the dog what you want, and so this is really it's fun, right? You just, you know, you have a toy, you call your dog and this is such, you're such a good girl. This is what a good dog. You came to me. This is so much fun. Let's play. Here's some treats. And you're setting that, um, you're setting up that reinforcement that, that coming to you is awesome. It is so awesome. That's what you want them to think. Oh, I was just going to say that rule, the coming to you needs to be awesome. I would say, is like 47% of a solid recall. Coming to you needs to be awesome. If coming to you is not <laughs> awesome, they will not choose you. <laughs> and they are we're asking them to make a choice. I would love <laughs> I would love to see your full breakdown if that's 47%, what other obscure number percentages you have. Well, I needed it to be less than 50 <laughs> because <laughs> I just think that's whenever I'm learning something new or whenever I'm practicing something and trying to change a habit, I have a couple of like I have rules that I set up in my head that help me to figure it out. So I was like practicing driving a motorcycle the other day and the rule I've got in my head is like clutch first, clutch first, clutch first. Or I was learning how to play pickleball and my rule in my head was like, okay, you can't hit it until one, two, three, hit, one, two, three, hit. Like I was having to, I've got this one set of rules that I run through my head until I get that rule. And so with recall, mm-hmm. coming to me needs to be awesome is often my number one. The thing that I repeat to myself when I'm frustrated is coming to me needs to be awesome. <laughs> so that's the first step. And um, the second step is just adding the cue, which is the verbal command. So once you've taught your dog what you want, which is to come to you, now you're going to start adding that cue in, but add it in this order. So show the toy or treat, the dog starts coming, and then once they're coming towards you, then say, Raka, come, as they're moving towards you. So you're going to start getting that association of the cue and them walking towards you. And this is something that you're going to practice a lot and you want it to be really, really good before you move on to the next step. And uh, watch your dog during that process and note what is especially rewarding for them and what's less rewarding for them. 
So some dogs will want a big pet down. Other dogs will want um, just their food. Other dogs will want your voice. Um, yeah. So just throw a party. Make sure it's a party conducive to your dog. Just as an aside, when I'm teaching group classes, this is always so fun to teach because such a big part of it is sometimes you just have to act ridiculous. And not everybody in a group puppy class wants to act ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? You got to get out of your but comfort zone. You got to. You got to. <laughs> you got to. You got to use the voice. You got to clap your hands. Maybe jump around a little. Like, you have to put yourself out there. That is, like you said, so important. So it's really funny in some obedience classes where I get this resistance. I don't know. I feel like I've been pretty successful at bringing people out of their shell. <laughs> Like, we're all doing it. We're all being ridiculous. That's the key, is everybody (laughs) needs to be silly together. Yeah, and it's like, look, you were silly and ridiculous, and your dog came to you. It worked. That's uh, my partner and I were working on Valkyrie coming when she was called in the backyard, and so we stood at opposite ends of the yard from each other and waited until she got distracted with something, and then one of us would call her, and then the other one would call her, and we just, every time... Just, yes, good girl. Way to go, Valkyrie. What a good puppy. And just, she's looking at me right now. (laughs) She's like, what did I do? (laughs) But it was just, and like then big pets and treats and just the whole shoot match. And I'm like, the neighbors must think just wild things. It's so funny. All right. So moving on towards the next step, the using just the cue. Um, again, once it's really solid, once they're regularly coming, when they're called, when you've got something fun and awesome, trying it, just, just using the cue, getting them to come over that way. Um, you can also begin to tone down some of your excitement as they start to learn the words associated with that excitement, but just don't move too quickly. Um, remember that everything needs to be really, really slow so that the learning can transfer. If you move too fast, then it doesn't look like what it looked like before. And then the dog doesn't recognize it anymore. Then this one, the incorporating of the collar grab, I think is one of the most important stages of this. And it's one that's often overlooked. So I see a lot of people who call their dogs and their dogs come when they're called and it's beautiful and wonderful and lovely. And then the dog dances around them for the next 10 minutes while the owner tries to catch them. And (laughs) it's just, it's such a silly little step that you just don't think about. And your dog comes within a few feet of you and you're like, that's good. And so you just keep walking or you, you're in the backyard. So it doesn't matter if they come all the way to you or whatever it happens to be. But working on like actually touching your dog once they've come to you and having that be the full completion of the command and doing that before they get rewarded for it means that even if they go right back out and start playing again, you had a second where you had them completely like in control. If there was a safety concern or if somebody else was trying to help like get their dog to leave the dog park and your dog is having too much fun, whatever it happens to be. Absolutely. So, and what that means is every single time that you call your dog and they come to you, when they get to you and you're rewarding them, you are touching their collar, grabbing their collar, holding on to their collar, just, various levels of collar touching I guess yeah and yeah uh, yeah, just every single time doing that because this is part of the recall don't stop short at like you said your dog comes three feet away from you and you're like cool no 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 the recall means your dog comes all the way up to you and you're able to grab and hold their collar and you want them to know that's part of it cool I value that one 
so so much um yeah increasing distance this is where i'm at is the distance increase and sometimes it goes beautifully and sometimes there's a bird and (laughs) (laughs) so tell me janelle what are my next steps for increasing valkyrie's recall from a distance well, first of all, I mean, and and this is tough, right? Because you should be working on distance without distraction. Yeah. But if you're going to start going bigger distances, you you need to go outside, I think. So you're at the point of you need to be off of your property in a field or somewhere else. So you would have someone hold her leash. And basically what you're going to do is start from the very beginning. <laughs> right? Yep. So you're in a different area. You probably don't have to re-add the cue. She knows the cue. But you may need to bring back that initial toy or treat that you show her. And a couple times to get her excited and to remind her that this is what we're doing, even though we're somewhere different. Yeah. And then after that, you know, you do that a couple times. Then try just the verbal cue, and if you can do that, then you move on. Right. Don't be discouraged. And if you do mess up, if you do make the choice to let your dog off leash, and they weren't ready, and you thought they were, and you were taking a risk, and it failed, that's okay. It's not like you did it 30 times. The dog isn't going to learn necessarily from that one experience. They might if it's really big, but, you know, back up a few steps, try again. It's okay. Yeah, so back to Valkyrie's problem. She's good, she's coming, but then there's a bird. I would, you know, I think that maybe the distance is too big in that particular situation, right? So what you want to do is maybe find what would a distract what would a lesser distraction be that you could practice. So instead of a flying bird, maybe you could practice with the distraction of her favorite toy on the ground beside her that she needs to zoom right by. Yeah. Yeah, that would be good. Even something silly like she really loves garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like a uh, Tim's Tim's cup or whatever, like just something. Yeah. That's more exciting than I am, which is embarrassing to admit that I'm less exciting than a plastic cup. But (laughs) (laughs) what was I going to say? I will also say that on occasion, uh, she's been at the end of like a 15 or 20 foot lead and she's seen the bird. She's looked at the bird. She stood still, not taut on the leash, like still lots of slack on the leash. And then I've made it my like a point of calling. I've made a point of calling her in that moment And she's made the choice to come to me instead of to chase the bird. And even when, like, the fact that she's not at the end of the leash, and she will run to the end of the leash after something, um, and still makes the choice to come back to me, tells me that we're we're getting there. We're definitely getting there, but we're not there yet. You're totally getting there, because she made a very good choice. Oh, and then there was a big party. Big party. We Sounds like fun. Yelled and in like all the best ways, just like, <laughs> woo! You chose right. Good choice. There's a lot of good choice that happens here. We say good choice a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that we say that a lot in our house too. Yeah, <laughs> with with the children as well. Because <laughs> it really is. It's a choice, right? Like. When she has the choice to chase a cat or to lay on her bed and she chooses to lay on her bed, 
she gets a good choice, good girl, like almost every time. If she makes the choice mm-hmm. to walk past the food on the coffee table, if she makes the choice, like it's just another word, another word that we've conditioned her to react to, but it's pretty cool. Um that she's able to make those choices without us needing to say, like, you know, leave it or stay or whatever. She's just making good choices. Um, okay, this next this next bullet in talking about recall is something I'm very excited to talk about because it's also a really great emergency strategy should you have made a poor choice and try to recall in a situation your dog wasn't ready for. Um I remember this being one of the first things that I was taught in the first obedience class I took when I was like 11, which was <laughs> if your dog is running away from you, one of the best things that you can do, or if they're not coming when they're called, is to run in the opposite direction and be super exciting. And it's counterintuitive and it's really hard to do. And it's not always the best idea. Like if they're running into like a, like into another dog, for example, and you can't tell, or you can tell that dog is not going to respond to it well. Like that's a moment where you run towards your animal. But if, you know, in most other circumstances, you are more exciting that way. The dog is wondering where you're going and what it's missing out on. You are a party because you're yelling and excited. And dogs are social. They want to be near their people. And so that can often be a really great strategy. Uh, but it's also a fun game just to practice working recall, especially in more distracting situations. Yeah, it's something that you can practice. It's one of those things that you can practice before you actually need it in a real life situation. And, you know, just in your backyard calling your dog and they get close to you and you start running away and your dog just thinks it's the best thing ever. I don't know why dogs love it. They're like, oh, you're running. I'm going to chase you. <sighs> um. So the next part we sort of touched on. So adding in distractions. So I think basically just let me just sum- re-summarize, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to start at a short distance showing your treater toy and getting your dog to come w- come to you. You're then going to add the cue once they start moving towards you. Then you're going to remove that initial toy or treat and just use the verbal cue to get them to come to you. You're incorporating that collar grab, you're increasing the distance, and you are practicing fun games like calling and running away. Once you do all of that, you can then start the next step, which is adding in distractions. And at this point, you just start from step one or two again, but you're starting to add in distractions like toys on the ground, in Caitlin's case, garbage on the ground, food on the ground, uh, maybe your cat or another pet that you have, anything that your dog will find distracting, start at a low level distraction and start the steps all over again and then increase that distraction until it's something way more difficult, like someone riding their bike outside. Yes. And try paying attention as much as you as you can to the good things your dog is doing with those distractions even when they're on leash and that can really help you with your recall as well so if you're walking your dog on leash and they encounter a cyclist and they don't lunge after the cyclist or try to chase the cyclist they should get tons and tons of praise for that Um, because the leash really is just a tie between you two and if they can exercise impulse control by not extending themselves to the end of the leash, then potentially 
they can start to incorporate that same behavior when they're off leash. So just um, always kind of be alert. Look for the things that you want in your dog and say they did it. Say good job. Say good choice. There are a lot of just really common mistakes people make when they're teaching their dog recall. And one of them is calling your dog away from something fun, like if they're at the dog park or they're playing fetch or they're swimming and having a ball and then you call them, they come to you, you leash them up and take them home. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that scenario? Well, I'm going to I'm going to put it into human world just so we can have an understanding of it from that perspective. Okay. So, I really like Disney World. Mm-hmm. And if I was at Disney World and I was running around and I was going on all the rides and I had just gone to the Mike Wazowski comedian thing and I was having a great time and you were like, "Oh, Caitlin, can you just come here for a second? I want to show you something by the entrance here." And I was like, "Yeah, for sure." And I walked over to you and you grabbed my hand and pulled me out of Disney World. Uh, this is extreme, but I would probably not talk to you again if you did that to me. So, <laughs> Let's be clear. I would never pull you out of Disney World. <laughs> Especially you, I know. In fact, I think our problem might just be like being kicked out for staying too long. But, <laughs> but that's a great example. Yeah. So next time you're in Disney World and you're doing all the rides and having so much fun and I'm standing by the entrance and I'm like, Caitlin, come over here. How do I'm you not, think you're going to feel about I'm not coming come over anywhere to see near me? you? And if I do come <laughs> near you to find out what you want because you're somebody who's valuable to me, I will stand outside of arm's reach so that you can't get me. <laughs> <laughs> because if you can't reach me, you can't make me leave Disney World. And like you'll see you'll see toddlers do this. You'll see adults do this like if they're like I'm just going to stand over here because then you can't reach me and make me do the thing. Um so it's a very and they might natural not even, behavior. And dogs aren't robots. Yeah. They might not even be aware that they're doing it, right? They're just, okay, something they know in their brain that that something they didn't want to happen happened last time they were called over. So how can we avoid this? How can we fix this? Because, I mean, obviously there are going to be times where you call your dog over and you need to leash them up and then go home. Yes, and right? if if you needed to leave Disney World for a good reason, then you needed to leave Disney World for a good reason. But what you <laughs> what you can do for Dogland, and for most people land, is um, try this more often than just when it's time to leave. So you're in the middle of the park, everybody's having a great time. Call your dog over, ask for a sit, give them a pet, touch their collar. Um, You can even, on occasion, put their leash on them for a second, take the leash off, and then let them go play again. Um, Allowing them to return to the thing that they enjoy, even after they've listened, helps to make the listening rewarding. So, like, not only did they get a break, a small pet from their human, maybe a treat, but then they got to go back to the super fun, awesome thing. So the odds of them coming back to you are higher. Whenever the outcome of a behavior is positive, we are more likely to repeat it. And so you definitely want to call them over without having to leash them up and take them home more often than you want to call them over with the sole purpose of leashing them up to take them home to make sure that you don't weaken the connection between coming when they're called and you being awesome. Exactly. Well said. Thanks. I was pretty proud of that. 
Okay, Janelle, <laughs> I need some tough love on this next one because I'm struggling with it. So the next common mistake that we hear is the watering down the verbal cue or changing the words. And sometimes I get really cash with the way that I'm calling my dog. And I'll be like, you know, Valkyrie, come on down. Come on over. Let's go over here. Um, none of those are the command we've practiced, but I'll say them. <laughs> and... <laughs> And then I'll throw come in there or when we're on a walk, I'll use it loosey goosey. Uh, I'll be like, okay, come on, Um, which is also confusing for her because normally I would say let's go um, when it's time to start walking again. And I definitely have called her when it's I know that she is likely not going to come just to see if it would work. So tell me what I need to do differently. (laughs) Don't hold back. Okay, um, it's pretty easy. Right now, you just need to force yourself to be consistent and aware. Okay, if you want your verbal cue to become and you want to only have to say it once, that is what you have to do right now. Once your dog is on their way to you, you're totally free to be like, come here, buddy, come here, puppy, 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 come on. You know, you can use all of those words when she's on her way to you, but be ridiculously clear with the very first verbal cue that you give her. That's not that hard, is it? Nope, I can do it. (laughs) You can do that. See, I'm I'm still letting you have some flexibility, but the very first part needs to say the same. Right. And that's... And... Yeah. And then, of course, um, not repeating her name over and over again, not repeating come over and over again at the beginning if she's not listening. It's make sure, of course, when you're first, when you're asking your dog to come, make sure you're saying it loud and clear so that, that you know they heard you right? Even if they ignore you. Nice and loud, nice and clear one time. And if they don't turn around and start walking towards you, then my suggestion is to just go get them at this point. If they do turn around and start walking towards you, this is where you can be more exciting and add in some of your little party words. (laughs) (laughs) I do like party words. Um, I think this is also another cool opportunity to talk about, like, when you go get the dog, you don't make a big fuss or deal or, you know, a big show of it. You just go get the dog. Because the more of a show Mm -hmm. you make, the less they're going to want to let you get, like, get toward them or, like, touch their collar or whatever it happens to be. Um, Even if it's a goofy show. Even if you're just like, what are you doing, you silly puppy? And, like, they're excited. They're going to bounce around. So right, it's a make it a non-issue. They didn't listen. Um, okay, just go get them and try again. Try again next time. If you do choose to uh, go get your dog and leash them up to give them a time out from that freedom, then you need to make sure that you have gone to get your dog, and then that's not your response to them coming to you after the fact. So. It's not your response after the fact once they've come to you. So a timeout is a tip, like an appropriate strategy, but it can't come immediately after they've done the thing they were supposed to do. Okay, so yeah, I think, yes, I think what you're saying, <laughs> yeah. I think what you're saying is 
you're talking about the next mistake here. Kind of, yeah. It, yeah. Right? Which is punishing your dog for coming to you. So if they're you call them and they come but they got distracted or they were super slow or they just didn't do it as well as you wanted them to do but they come to you and they get to you do not punish them for that you still need to give them a reward this is not that that would not be a time for a timeout or anything that would still be a time for a reward because they still came yeah is that sort of what you're talking about yeah I think I think that's a really hard one for us to wrap our heads around because humans have longer longer memories in this regard. And so a dog will often not remember or notice or think much of their not listening at first and then will be confused as to why the thing that immediately followed what they were supposed to do is a punishment or whatever you whatever it happens to be so it's 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 a good strategy to practice for humans and doggos alike but it definitely works best with dogs all right this last one i just think is so funny because it feels really counterintuitive um but again we we do that to other humans all the time like can you come to my office so I can be upset with you for doing the thing? Or can, can you come downstairs so I can get upset with you for the thing? Um, so it's something we do pretty naturally and often in human land. But if you are seeing that a dog has done something that they shouldn't do, um, first of all, there are other ways to restructure their environment or to tackle a behavior that don't involve punishment. But when you call a dog over because they've done something wrong, you are not decreasing the chances that they will do something wrong again. You are decreasing the chances that they will come when you call them again. And so the behavior that you're hoping to tie your frustration to is going to be the behavior that you actually want, which is the come command and not whatever it is that you're frustrated about, like the dog having peed on the floor or uh, chewed on a shoe or whatever it happens to be. So there you have it, recall. And I feel like that's all just really brushing the surface. There's so much more you can do with it, but yeah. there is enough when you're just starting out to practice, 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 and a lot of stuff that you can get really, really good at if you're consistent. We hope that you can join us again in two weeks when we release our next episode, where we'll be discussing everything from training tips to dog shenanigans, anything really dog-related that may help you in your journey to making your relationship with your dog stronger. Questions, comments, hilarious dog stories you want to share? Email us at sitstaydownload at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Sit, Stay, Download.